How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome to the Enterprise Architecture Day, the how-to methodology. So this is Sam Holzman, 2020 Enterprise, and today we're going to be talking about enterprise architecture. And before I got in the air, I actually took a look at uh, uh, one of the search engines out there. Actually, the correct name for the search engines that are out there should be Popularity Contest Engines. But that's a topic for a different uh, session that I ran before. But I looked, and there's only... 377 million definitions of enterprise architecture out there, just 377 million. So I'm sure that all of you look at definitions past the first page to find the correct one. Uh, That's a joke a little bit, and we all do that. But one of the things that really frustrated me today, just before I got on the air, unfortunately, was I'm looking at this popular site. I don't even want to give you the name of the site to 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 give it credit. And the name of the site, uh, the, the, the site uh, article said, what is enterprise architecture, a framework for transformation? I'm just going to read you the first paragraph. Enterprise architecture is the process by which organizations standardize and organize IT infrastructure. No, excuse me for yelling. No, 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 no. That's IT architecture. This is one of the big problems that we're seeing. And as I've said numerous times, unfortunately, one of the great things about the Internet is anybody can write anything about anything. And one of the problems with the Internet is anybody can write anything about anything. And uh, this is a huge problem for all of us, you, I, and everyone else, because we have to sort of unsort all of this stuff out. And uh, this is just one example of of information that is not correct, just bluntly not correct out there. And people don't, as I said, look past, unfortunately, the first few pages to look for sources that are not only vetted, but really have uh, information that is solid. And this is what, uh, of course, the issue is. It really is hard to figure out what is correct and what isn't correct out there. And I hope that those of you that are tuning into our broadcast here uh, are getting the understanding that, you know, perhaps I hope we have something to offer. And one of the things that I want to mention uh, today is, as I call it, the how-to methodology. And I'm now using the phrase real enterprise architecture. And the reason I'm, I'm using that is because what we're finding is that a lot of people out there are substituting enterprise architecture, that name, for really what they're doing. And it doesn't mean it's wrong, but it's different. And that is enterprise information technology or enterprise information technology planning, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. So it's different. It's different. We're going to talk about real enterprise architecture. And in this episode, what we're going to be doing is giving you um, sort of like a summary. I can only do so much in an hour. And if you do want more information, I urge you to go to 
our website, www.eacoe.org, www.eacoe.org, where you'll be able to see some solid information, practitioner-based information about enterprise architecture, the practice, the process, and things like that. And there you'll find definitions of four items that are critical for enterprise architecture and the methodology that we're going to be describing. And those four items are the concept of a frame of reference, a frame of reference, a framework. Examples of that outside of the enterprise architecture world would be the periodic table of the elements in chemistry, the notes in music, and the English alphabet. Those are frames of references. And frames of references don't tell you what to do. What they are is frames of references. It gives us a context of understanding that's there. That's really what that uh, what that is about. The next thing is a methodology, a process. How do you do it? Which is different than what does it look like, which is a frame of reference. And we're going to be talking about that in this particular episode. Then from that, we can have an understanding of the two elements that make up the essence of enterprise architecture. And those are architecture models to understand the activities the organization wants to do and the implementation models. And that's what most technologists do when they talk about enterprise architecture. It's describing the, the building of things rather than understanding what needs to be built. And that's, of course, very, very different, um, you know, as we're, uh, as we're looking at it. It's a very different thing uh, that's there. So those are the things that we're going to be talking about when we actually talk about enterprise architecture. And the output, the output is not a series of representations, but what we need to do to move the organization from its as-is state to its desired state. That's the end product. Everything else is a means to an end. Great stuff, but means to an end. So if you look at our previous episodes of the 2020 Enterprise, you'll see a full definition of enterprise architecture, which covers those four topics. In this session, in, in this session we're going to give you a sort of a briefing as to what these things are. And the methodology, the process, involves four basic steps. A beginning, which is basically a Scoping activity, are you going to architect a process, a division, a department, an enterprise, the ecosystem, uh, the earth, the earth plus its satellite uh, uh, moons, uh, how far are you going to go? All of that is sort of important. Well, that's actually a little more important than that because whatever you're scoping allows integration, which is different than interfacing. One isn't right and one isn't wrong, but they're different. And anything that you're actually architecting can be integrated. Anything outside of that can be interfaced. And if you want to take two things and mush them together, technical term, you, when you change the boundary conditions, you may have to re-architect and re-implement that's there. Now, in that first step that we call project preparation, and the reason we call it a project is because Enterprise architecture ends when the business dies, when the business ends. It never ends. So it has a cycle. And our recommendation to our clients is approximately a six elapsed week cycle. I didn't say six months or six years. And there's a lot of dependencies. But there's a cycle there because the business is in a constant state of change. 
And the enterprise has to be designed and implemented with change as the norm, not as an exception as the norm. You have to do things a little bit differently to make sure that you can you can do that. And in that first step is a very, very critical element. And that's what we call essentially the beginning activities. And the beginning activities involve three groups of people, what we refer to as the core team, the review team, and the planning team. Who are the planning team people? They're the experts in enterprise architecture, the project managers, the architects, all the people that know how to do architecture, enterprise architecture, real enterprise architecture. The core team are the subject matter experts, and that could essentially be in a specific area, the desired state, the as a state, some activities, they know the goals or they know the processes. Basically, they are the people that are going to be enabling the business and technology strategy. And the review team is a second set of eyes. Review team is a second set of eyes. Purposely done, and those people tend to have a more broad view of the area that you're analyzing versus an in-depth approach that is there. And in this first step, we have found one of the most critical elements to do two things. One is to get our business people, subject matter experts engaged. Second thing is to minimize business intrusion, and I use that term purposely, minimize business intrusion. The business is doing business. The last thing they want to do is watch sausage being made, as the phrase goes. They want to participate as a reviewer and an understander but not as a creator. And I don't know where this concept of everybody sitting down together and singing Kumbaya for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months came about, but that's not the way we do business. And that's not what our clients want to see. They want minimal business intrusion, not because they don't like us, but because they're busy. They're busy. And in order to do that, we need to recognize who are we dealing with? We're dealing with human beings. I know that sounds funny. We are dealing with human beings and not computer compilers. And the people doing enterprise architecture need to be, as a matter of fact, I even, I even like to say mandatory requirement, understand human behavior and human abilities to understand complexity. This is a skill, ladies and gentlemen, that is woefully missing in a lot of people that are practicing here. And this is why people look at it and say, what the heck is this for? So this is about developing a series of representations that are human consumable, the human beings being stakeholders, stockholders, customers, all these people, whatever you want to call them in your particular organization, that are there to enable the business strategy. And that understanding needs to be something that they can absorb in less than 90 seconds. Yes, you heard this correctly, 90 seconds. Now, with that, if you go out and actually study human behavior, you recognize that the worst way to start things, underline, emphasize, the worst way to start things is to go out there and set up a bunch of interviews. That's a lot of people do that. Interviewing on what? The phrase that's used in the behavioral community, in the human behavioral community, is top of mind understanding. The worst 
possible way to get something started. Human beings have a tremendous ability to react to something they're seeing. Most people have a difficult time facing a blank sheet of paper or a blank whiteboard or a series of questions that you email out. Stop doing that. It just isn't the way to do things. People have to start studying the ability of human beings to understand complexity. And your businesses and your enterprises are complex. So the initial approach is quite different than going out and setting up a bunch of interviews. It's the architects doing the work. Who's getting paid to do architecture? The architects, not the customer, not the consumer, not the stakeholder. So the architect should be doing the work. And what they're going to be doing is setting up what we call a series of, just for numbering purposes for you and I, what I call a 0.7 set of models. What is that? A starter set of models that come directly from the information provided in emails, voicemails, uh, representations, uh, strategic plans, all the documents and, and different written materials to begin things. Now, please notice what I'm saying, 0.7. Why 0.7? We, work, we want to get to 1.0. But this is what we as architects need to do to put a series of representations down of the goals people are trying to achieve, the processes they need to achieve those goals, the information needs they need to perform those processes to meet the goals, the skill sets required to carry out those processes, the locations the organization does business at or functions at, the events, the events that the organization needs to react to or be aware of. And the event representation is the key to enterprise agility. So those elements, goals, processes, information, you like to, don't like the word information, data. Don't like the word data, stuff. Only problem is if I go to our business people and say we're here to build a stuff model to throw us out of a room. <laughs> Skill sets, locations, and then events. The event representation is the key to enterprise agility. You can't have enterprise agility by handcrafting solutions. Just think about it. Handcrafting ain't going to happen, yet we keep doing that. Not the answer. It just isn't, yet we keep doing that. What's the old phrase? You know, we beat our head against the wall. We keep doing the same things and we expect to change. It's not going to happen. It's there. So the initial key thing that we're going to be doing is to build a 0.7, a starter representation to interact with our subject matter experts. And that's the job, the initial job of the enterprise architect. Now, when it comes to representations, there's four key elements that we need to understand. The first is a language, and we're trying to minimize, minimize the language, not to bowl people over with all the brilliance that we have that's there, but make it as simple as possible. And we need a naming convention for communication. So when I talk about the direction the organization's trying to go in, I use one term, goals. And I don't talk about strategic objectives and, and strategies and key performance indicators and, and, and uh, all these other phrases that people throw out there. Because as you know, what happens is when we go into a meeting, the discussion is about the classification rather than the content. So let's get away from all this baggage that's there. 
We talk about processes. We talk about materials. I like that term better than data. That's my preference. So we have a set of vocabularies. Second thing we have to agree to as an architecture group is how we're going to represent these. And the most agile representation that we can come up with is called an ontology. And ontologies are represented as kinds of things put together. A hierarchy, which is what a lot of technologists build, is parts of things. So what are parts of an automobile, for example? An engine, a door, a seat, a windshield, tires, parts of. What are kinds of automobiles? Sedans, coupes, station wagons, convertibles, kinds of things grouped together. Those are the most agile and flexible of the models we're trying to achieve. Third thing of the four, a naming convention for the instance of the thing we're trying to describe. So improve profitability is not a goal name. Excuse me, it's not a goal. My apologies. It's not a goal. It's a goal name. Woefully inadequate to understand what that is. We're going to have a naming convention for the names of all the elements so we can communicate. And the fourth thing, and the most important thing, is a templated definition. A templated definition that describes the name that's there. A name model is like a table of contents without content. Just think about that. A table of contents without content. Where's the content? In the book. So those are the four elements that we start with through our harvesting. We're going to take a short break. We'll be just back here in just a minute or so, and we'll continue talking about the methodology to do enterprise architecture. I'm Sam Holtzman. You're listening to the 2020s Enterprise. See you back here in a few minutes. Is your organization in the Internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. The how-to methodology for enterprise architecture. That's what we're discussing in this particular broadcast. I'm Sam Holzman, and we were talking about the four phases for actually developing an enterprise architecture, and that's what this episode is about. A previous episode, we actually defined what I call real enterprise architecture, 
And again, my apologies for having to use the word real in front of enterprise architecture. I know that is possibly uh, not something people want to hear, but with 377 million entries of what enterprise architecture is on those search engines out there, we've got to start recognizing that there are differences in definitions, at least 376 million 999,999 may be different. <laughs> that, what a number. Just think about that and, and to be brutally honest here, how worthless that is when something comes back and says, oh, we got 377 million entries. Which one do you think is correct? Think about that as we move forward. So enterprise architecture, the how-to methodology, four phases. First phase we talked about in our first segment was getting things started and considering and understanding that we're dealing with human beings. And these human beings we call the core team and the review team. And we need to study the ability of human beings to understand complexity. And that's one of the key elements that what we see in our consulting practice, a lot of organizations haven't done. They have very, very competent technology folks. Tremendous. Yet they don't recognize that human being understanding is very different than a compiler understanding. And when we recognize that, we need to take into account the ability of human beings to understand complexity. That's what really this is all about. And in order for us to do that, we use the term human consumable representations. So the first step is what we call project preparation. And in that is the key element of the enterprise architecture team building an initial discussion representation of the area under analysis. And we call that harvesting from the information that's there. When we use the word harvesting, what we're actually doing is building a traceable and transparent path, traceable and transparent path from the understandings the business has. And the reason we call it 0.7 is we're going to have two sets of refinement activities that bring that to a 1.0 stage. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. So we know it's not perfect, but human beings have a tremendous ability to react to something they're seeing. Most people have a very difficult time creating from a blank sheet of paper or a blank whiteboard. That's what we learn from decades of study, decades of study, of human behavior when they see complexity. And ladies and gentlemen, as architects, we have to start recognizing that we're dealing with people and we've got to know the strengths and weaknesses, the abilities that people have to understand things that are complex. So that first step is building what we refer to as the 0.7 representations of the area that we want to look at for enabling our business strategy. So once we have that, now is when we bring in what we call the subject matter experts. And their goal, their role, is to bring those representations and what we call the teams are the core team and the review team. The core team's job is to take those 0.7 representations and refine them to what we refer to as 0.8. So let's say we have a goal name of achieving a 40% repeat business in our enterprise. Now, 40% repeat business in our enterprise is not a goal. It's a goal name. 
And a full definition would look like something like achieve 40% repeat business strives to ensure that our business from our existing customers has a 40% repeat rate as measured by reservations within one year after their previous engagement with us, which will result in a increase in profitability, increase in customer satisfaction at the end of each billing cycle or at the end of each year. And each one of the goals, for example, needs to have a structured definition. Improve productivity, reduce cost value, employer are simply platitudinal names. As I stated before, it's like having a book with a table of contents without any contents in it. Now, when we represent that to our business people, their job is to refine it. So somebody may walk into our sessions and say, you know, it's not 40% repeat business anymore. Uh, It's 60% repeat business. And so we say, and I'm just going to pick out a name out of the sky here. Mary walks in and says it's 60% repeat business. What we're going to do, since they're the subject matter experts, they're the customer, is we will change our representation to 60%, and then we'll do the following. We will say, Mary gave us that information on August 21st at 3.15 in the afternoon, and her name is now on there as the source of record. Now, Mary may say two things to us, absolutely correct, or she may say to us, hold on a second, (laughs) and that's exactly why we do what we do. Hold on a second isn't good. Can you live with this isn't good. We need to have a yes or no. And if that individual can't give us that answer, it's not a scolding. It's okay. We'll put that aside for a moment and please, you know, update us. Traceability, transparency. Traceability, transparency are the keys to this particular element that's there. So in the review process, What we're doing is refinement. We may add goals. We may remove goals. We may add processes. We may remove processes. All those six elements, the what, how, where, who, when, and why that we're trying to understand. And the other thing we have to recognize, if you don't write these things down, it doesn't mean they're not there. It means that you're guessing about these things. Yes, guessing. And that's why the hackers are winning. I don't know if you've been watching things lately, the ransomware is out of control. It's amazing how many things are out there. And we use such pretty names. Well, we have vulnerabilities. No, we've got software errors. Software errors. Because there is no architecture. There is no traceability. The fundamentals of building complex stuff isn't there in the technology and business world. As bluntly as I can say it. It doesn't matter what language you're using. It doesn't matter what technology you're using. The life cycle needs to be architect, analyze, design, assemble. That's the life cycle that will give us a great end solution. And the discussions that we're having in this particular session of the 2020s enterprise is enterprise architecture, the architectural component, the first element which we believe is critical to the rest of the life cycle. Not only because it's worse, first, excuse me, worse, sorry about that, because it's first, but because it gives us the baseline for addressing and managing change. The baseline for addressing and managing change. 
And I'm going to leave you with this process, with this thought process as we go on to our rest of our day here. If it's not what you need to do to understand massive increases in complexity and masses increase in change, what is your approach? Writing more code faster? I don't think it's going to get us there. So think about what we're talking about here. I want to stress that the enterprise architecture approach that we are talking about here has been developed over decades with two objectives, simplification and minimize business intrusion. This is what we've been doing. Every assignment, you know, trying to make it, as the phrase goes, faster, better, cheaper, not more complex. The last thing we want is more complexity as we move forward. So in these activities, these initial activities, what we're doing is taking each one of these elements, architectural elements, there's six of them. There's not 6,000 of them or 600 of them or 60 of them. And it follows the what, how, where, who, when, and why interrogatives that we've seen time and time again throughout history. And those six elements that we can talk about here, each individual element needs to be understood and represented independently. That's what architecture is, independently. We're not saying, here's the process, here's the goal it's trying to achieve. Here's the process, here's the goal it's trying to achieve. Those are implementation, manufacturing models. Those are hierarchies. Those are composites. Those are not architecture. It doesn't mean they're wrong, but they're not architecture. They're implementation. Key understanding that we need to bring to the enterprise architecture community. I want to stress again, not wrong, but not architecture. It's what we call EITA, Enterprise Information Technology Architecture. Very different. So once again, we come back to the internet not helping us in this area. As I pointed out in the beginning of my uh, uh, show today, just at this, uh, this afternoon prior to going on the air, I looked on the internet and said, oh my God, here we go again. Another article from a very prominent source that has so many errors in the first few paragraphs, it's astounding. It talks about just one other item here. My, my apologies for doing this. But it needs to be brought out. It says here that John Zachman was Dr. Dewey Walker's student. No. The fundamentals are even wrong. If you go in history and look at who these gentlemen are, Dewey Walker worked at IBM. John worked with Dewey and for Dewey at IBM. There's no professors and there's no doctorates involved here. I don't know where this stuff comes from, but it's out there on the Internet. As we know, anybody can write anything about anything, and here we go again. And this confuses the population out there. This is to confuse the population. Where do we go for correctness? I hope you found that source. We're trying to bring some method to the madness that's there. So that first element is harvesting, bringing a 0.7 model. Second element, bringing what we call a 0.8 model, <clears throat> which is the refinement of those first representations that are there. And the refinement is for all six elements independently. <coughs> and it involves the definitions and the naming. The definitions, ladies and gentlemen, are key. St 
stressing again and giving you the analogy, a bunch of names are like a book without content. It's a book with a table of content. It has no understanding that is going to be correct by the largest stretch of the imaginations. Think about this for a moment. If you want some examples of, of why this is, take a look in the dictionary at almost any word. And what you see in the dictionary is multiple definitions. And this is what we're using to try to describe architectures. Well, guess what? <laughs> That's a benefit and a curse. Which definition is correct? Well, um, I don't know. That's why we need definitions for each element of the things that are there. So each one of these representations is developed by the architecture team first through traceable and transparent materials that they're given. 0.8, next set of refinements come through what we call the subject matter experts or the core team, if you're comfortable with that phrase. And those people are the subject matter experts of the desired state or as is state, depending on what you're looking at. They may understand process, they may understand goals, they may understand part of it. But I wanna also emphasize what I said just a moment ago, the real important, again, human consideration is we start with the desired state first, not the as-is state. We start with the desired state first because as human beings, we have a difficult time breaking out of that mold once we see something. And that's why I want to start with the desired state first. And people say to me, well, Sam, uh, uh, that's going to be pretty light. Well, if it's pretty light, we better not start looking for a general contractor to build something. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> Just as simple as that. Don't bring in a bunch of plumbers and electricians and carpenters and masonry people before you figure out what you want to build. Well, 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 no, no, there's no well. In the physical world, we figured this out. There's general contractors that do implementation, and there's architects that do Architecture, and the architect, by the way, doesn't disappear when the architecture is done. They stay throughout the build process because there's going to be, as it's called in the physical world, running changes. And the architect is sort of like the voice of the customer, the voice of the customer that's there. And that's how we want to look at it. So once the core team gets done with their work, we call it a 0.8 model. Then we bring in the second set of eyes we happen to call the review team subject matter experts that usually have just a little bit broader view of that particular area, a broader view of that area. And we call those people the review team. And they're going to go through the same refinement of each one of the six elements, the what, how, where, who, when, and why, the goals, the processes, the material or the data, the information, whatever you're comfortable with as that phrase, the skill sets involved, the skills, the locations, and again, one of the most important models that we see of those six are the events the organization needs to react to. That is the key, once again, that sixth element to enterprise agility. Very, very, very important. And stressing once more, just because you don't write it down doesn't mean it's not there. It means that you're making guesses about them. So the review team will go through the same refinement to bring the uh, the architecture to what we refer to as a 0 0.9 level, a 0 0.9 level. So step one was the initial 0 0.7 that we as the architecture team, that's the heavy lifting do, in which we bring a series of understandings from the business 
that can be reviewed, modified, enhanced with a continuous traceability and transparency to its content. Second phase, the core and review teams of the architecture representations, those six elements, they enhance those and we bring those to 0.8 by the core team and 0.9 by the review team. We're getting there pretty quickly. We're at 0.9 right now. And then after that, we go into what we refer to as the composite models, or I like to call them the implementation models. Implementation, the reason I like that a little bit better is that's where we're moving to. We've got to implement something and we're gonna get there pretty quickly. And we call them the implementation models. There's three steps in the next phase that we're gonna be discussing. First is developing those implementation models. Then from that, we're going to define, we're going to generate, we're going to create the initiatives. Now what's an initiative? Some people call them initiatives. Some people call them projects. Some people call them programs. Some people call them capabilities. Some people call them focus areas. Basically it's the output of architecture it's the things the organization needs to do to meet its enterprise mission or enterprise objectives. We're not starting out with a series of de declarations. If somebody says to me, we need to build an ERP system or a new financial system, those are declarations. And if we want to architect those, we're, going, we're doing technology architecture, technology planning, which is not a bad thing to do, but it is not enterprise architecture, which is the definition of what we need to do to meet our business objectives or mission objectives that are there. So in order to do that, once again, we're gonna build a series of implementation models, which we'll discuss in just a few minutes. From that, generate a series of initiatives, projects, if you wanna call them that, and prioritize those for implementation. You're listening to 2020's Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We'll see you back here in a few minutes and discuss the third and fourth phases of building a real enterprise architecture. See you back here. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book... 
Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. We're discussing the methodology for enterprise architecture. I'm Sam Holzman. Uh, and uh, we are tweeting during this program also, and my Twitter handle is at Sam Holzman, at S-A-M-H-O-L-C-M-A-N. That's me. <laughs> That's me. So <laughs> if anybody uh, needs to Twitter me, and of course, my email directly is Sam at E-A-C-O-E dot org, Sam at E-A-C-O-E dot O-R-G. And we were chatting prior to the break, first two phases of enterprise architecture, which is getting a baseline of understanding of the area that is being analyzed. And that is through the traceability and transparency of the information that's out there today, whether it's the desired state or as a state. Second phase involves the architectural representations being enhanced by what we refer to as the core and review team. Core team subject matter experts, the review team set of a set of eyes, and from a numbering standpoint, we're moving our representations from 0.7 to 0.8 to 0.9, with the desire to, of course, get to 1.0, which gives us the understanding we need to move forward to enable our business or mission strategy. And now we're going to look at the analysis that goes on in order to do that, and that involves three steps or three elements. First is developing what we call implementation models. Some people call them composite models. Some people call them manufacturing models that are there. Next step is the formation of the initiatives. In other words, coming together and seeing the types of things we need to do in integrated chunks. And I'll discuss that, of course, in a little bit. And the third element is what we've been struggling with as organizations, and that's the concept of alignment, alignment. And the alignment will be something that we will do as a natural element of the methodology that we're discussing here. It's not a special item in our methodology. It's something that is consistent. And I know what people have seen lots of times in magazines and blogs and websites IT has to align with the business, IT has to align with the business, and we wring our hands every year and say, oh, we got to do that. Well, we're going to do that here. So what is this concept of implementation models? Quite simply, 
It is the relationship or the understanding of the binding that goes on between a couple of these architectural elements. So, for example, what data, term I like to use, is what materials do we need to perform what processes? Pretty simple question, right? Well, who's going to give us that information? It's from the business, not from some technology or from some system. It's the business going to say, in order for us to process charters, we need information about sailboats and maintenance and customer data, and we need charter data and sales data. In order for us to prepare for a boat charter, we need information about sailboats and maintenance information and preferences that the customer has, and also sales data. Those are implementation models, relationship models. It says this is dependent upon this, this is dependent upon that. Now, I hope everyone is sitting down when we do some mathematics here. Please remember, as I said before, just because you don't write these things down doesn't mean it's not there. It means we're making guesses about them. Now we're going to get a handle on how many guesses are out there. Don't be frightened by these numbers because real work can happen. And I'm just going to throw out some numbers here for discussion. And I don't know what your organization is like. So let's say for just a moment, I'm just going to throw out a number. Your organization has 500 processes. Now, I, I don't know what the number is that you have, 500 processes. I, maybe you've got most organizations we deal with are in the thousands. Some very small organizations are less than that. But we're just going to pick a number here and you'll see why. And we need to understand what information, what data we need to perform those processes. And just for discussion purposes, let's say there's 200 data elements that we have. Again, just picking a number out of the air. If you have a calculator in front of you or could do this in your head, 500 times 200 is 100,000 potential relationships that you have to understand. Sam, you're out of your mind. This is impossible. This is a bunch of hooey, theoretical, mumbo-jumbo nonsense. Let me stress again. Just because you don't write things, things, these things down doesn't mean they're not there. It means you're guessing. And guess who's taking advantage of all of this guessing? The hacking community out there. I know we call them vulnerabilities or we call them all these other things. No, it's because we don't have these things written down. The phrase high level of detail is a nonsensical phrase. It doesn't even mean anything. You either have the detail or you don't. That number is something you've got to bring back to the organization to recognize this has nothing to do with technology complexity. It has to do with business complexity. When you're relating two things together, it is M times N is the number of guesses that you're making. We got to bring those guesses down. Now, of course, we have to approach this in a logical manner. We just can't stop the music. And there are ways to do this that are tried and true out there. This is not impossible. We are privileged to work with and have worked with some of the largest organizations in the world. This can be and is done. It's not theory. It's not hyperbola. It can be done. It must be done in order for the organization to stop the hacking, to stop the nonsense, 
build a strategy that can be executed. This is the 2020s enterprise. It's about understanding these things and moving forward at a pace that we haven't seen before. And that's why handcrafting, again, is just not going to do it. So these implementation models are large. One of our clients, when we get to this step in the methodology, uh, has coined the coined the, this phase of the methodology, slogging through it. <laughs> and the reason he did this was he said, there is no artificial intelligence, there is no augmented reality, there is no quantum computer or anything like that that's going to give us that understanding. This understanding comes from looking at the process and looking at the data and determining whether or not in order to perform that process, we need the data, yes or no. Sort of is not going to work. I don't know is not good and possibly is not going to work either. And that's why he calls it slogging through it. But once we have it, we have it. The thing that gets people a little concerned is they're looking at your legacy. Well, you know how you get through the legacy? Step one, stop the madness Monday morning. Now, you know what I mean by Monday morning. You got to stop the madness in order to move forward. Otherwise, you're going to keep going. So these implementation models lead us to the next step is what we call developing the initiatives. What's an initiative again? It is the approach that says, here's the things we need to do to move forward. I'm going to give you a quick analogy here to give you an understanding of what this is. If I say to you, I'm going to use a word here. I'm not going to define it. I'm just going to use a word here. And the word I'm going to use is house. House, H-O-U-S-E. And you know what that is. It's a structure that you know people live in or things live in. I'm not going to go any further than that with that word. But you know what happened in your brain, if I can look into your brain? You down-selected very quickly. When I said the word house, probably none of you were thinking about a grilled cheese sandwich. No, oh, maybe you were or a leaf rake. You're thinking about a house. Now let me go further here. Within a house, I'm going to use the term kitchen. Notice what happens in your brain. It down selects again to a more narrowed focus because that word has some clustering effect in your brain. When I say kitchen, you're probably thinking stove, refrigerator, microwave, Food, water, garbage disposal, sink, those types of things. Once again, you're not thinking about a leaf rake or a shovel or an automobile. Fascinating. And we, when we went out to look at this concept decades ago, we were fascinated by this word and how it could down-select. And we kept using the term to understand this, the word cluster. And unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, we did not have the internet. So we had to use this magic thing in a library called the card catalog. And we got nowhere until we used another magic thing called a thesaurus. And instead of looking for the term cluster, we found the term affinity, affinitization. And that mathematics is the thing that gives us the start for doing this. So we can build our initiatives first by using a little bit of mathematics, 
affinity analysis, and then human refinement. And what we have here is a series of rooms of the house that we can build. In an environment like this, it's a little bit difficult for me to explain some of the science and math behind it. And of course, you can go to our website or contact me. I'd be more than happy to send you lots of papers on this. So we started off with it was a series of understandings from traceable materials. We built second phase, a series of what we call architectural representations of the six elements. Third step was building the composite implementation manufacturing models. From that, we formed a series of initiatives. Another name for initiatives could be projects or programs or capabilities or focus areas. And once we have that, we have one more step, which is prioritization. And the prioritization occurs through alignment with the business drivers. So if a specific series of goals are supported by a certain initiative or project, logically, that should be funded first. Now, that may not be the way you do things. I understand that then it would be difficult for you to do alignment. If you're doing cost or funding allocations for departments or divisions or things like that, you can't expect enterprise or business alignment. It's just not going to happen. You can talk about it, but you have to align against something. And that something is the business drivers that we're talking about. And we call those initiatives. So the end product of enterprise architecture, real enterprise architecture, the end game is a series of prioritized initiatives, prioritized initiatives, prioritized against the business drivers that support the business objectives, business strategy, or business mission. And once we have that, we have what we refer to as a real enterprise architecture. Consists of architecture representations, implementation representations, the development of move ahead initiatives, the key element. If you don't have that, you don't have an architecture. You've got a series of models, but you don't have an architecture. You don't know what to build. And the last element is the prioritization against the business drivers that give us a complete traceable and transparent path from the business objectives they're trying to achieve to the enablement of that business objectives by technology, by organizational change, by process alignment, by process refinement, and all the other things that you can do to help the business achieve its objective. We believe that enterprise architecture is the enabler of business strategy and the way that we as technology folks or architects get a seat at the table is when people realize that that is what we're trying to do. Not to write code quickly, not to write code quickly, but to bring to the organization a series of things that help the business run better. Then we can become trusted advisors. Thanks for listening. More information, of course, give me a holler at sam at eacoe.org, sam at eacoe.org, or go to our website where you can get more information on this. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in this week to the 2020s Enterprise. Be sure to join your host, Sam Holzman, again 
for another edition of our program next Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more topics of discussion then. 